Whoever welcomes such a child as this welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Amen. Between my sophomore year in high school and my freshman year in college, nine of my friends died. Some from car wrecks, a few, sadly, of drug or alcohol-related accidents, and one because she was born in another country and then, as an 18-year-old Harvard student, discovered she had a very serious heart disease but was low on the transplant list and sadly did not make it to 19. The various reasons for the deaths of my peers is irrelevant, really. At some point, I and my young group of friends stopped seeking answers, and we just sought support and comfort. Now somehow, and it really is all a bit foggy, but somehow my friends and I acquired some property during this time. It was a basement space with a cement floor, a pool table, and a Coke machine all under a tobacco shop on the edge of our small southern town. I have absolutely no earthly idea how a group of teenagers came to lease a basement under a tobacco shop on the edge of town, but nonetheless, there we were. And this space for us became sacred. After school, we would gather On weekends, we would gather after funerals or on the anniversary of the deaths of our friends, we would gather. I don't even remember what we would do exactly, but what I recall, what I remember is the feeling of walking in the front doors. My whole body relaxed. My heart would open up. It was a feeling of radical welcome in a world that had gone crazy. In our scripture today, we have James who talks about conflict and disputes within community. We have Jesus reminding his disciples that he will be killed and then rise again. And then the disciples who still don't understand him begin arguing while walking together over who among them is best, who is Jesus' favorite disciple, which, you know, I don't know about you, but seems an appropriate conversation to have when your teacher has just told you he's going to die. But then at the end of the gospel today, we hear Jesus telling the disciples that if they truly want to be great, they must become servants of all. They must welcome all. They must create spaces of radical welcome. We here at All Souls have been talking a lot about radical welcome lately. In our work toward racial and economic equity, we as a church have asked some tough questions about welcome and inclusion. In those discussions, the question has come up often, Why don't more people of color come to our church? Or how do we get people of color to come to the cathedral? 
And let me just stop and assure you, we are not the only primarily white church asking this question at this time. Now, I'm not sure, but I truly think that this question comes from a place of deep southern hospitality. The place is beautiful. We've set the table so nicely. Where is everyone? I think we believe that we are being welcoming, so why aren't they coming? But the question of radical welcome that Jesus asks us to consider today in our gospel is deeper than setting a table and hoping that folks show up. The invitation to welcome all asks us to consider who we are and what we are really inviting people to, both within our church and outside of these walls. Now, I am sure that my parents had little idea that I was spending my time as a teenager in the basement of a tobacco shop. If they had known that my friends and I even needed to gather together, that we needed to connect and to heal, I bet they would have had a much better idea of where that should be. But I don't think that they could have possibly created a more perfect space for us during that very hard time than we created for ourselves. I don't think they could have welcomed us the way we were able to welcome each other. So what was it about that space under the tobacco shop that made it so deeply welcoming for me and for my friends? First, it was that it was ours. Again, I have no idea how we came about it, but it was ours, and when we gathered there out of our deep need of each other, we knew that when we walked in those doors, we would be radically welcomed and understood. Those of us that gathered in that space had relationships with each other based on deep shared experiences of loss, the need for grieving, the need for celebrating and remembering our friends. Looking back on it now, I see that we actually held an unspoken but deeply lived theology of welcome and space. I can imagine that many of our parents would have loved to try and comfort us and create loving space for us to grieve, but because their experience was so dramatically different than ours, I don't think they could have come close to giving us what we really needed. Now, as a parent myself and a minister to young people for years, I think often about how to welcome the child among us, how to create really sacred space for young people. And as the missioner for Kairos West, I have come to see that creating radically welcoming space for those on the margins is a tough journey. And I've come to see what it can actually look and feel like. And I think that we here in our work together, in our attempt to create welcoming space, I think that we have something to learn about making the cathedral radically welcoming for all. Yes, for black and brown-bodied people and folks on the margins of society, but also for us 
as we journey toward equity. The purpose of creating radically welcoming space goes beyond having diversity within these walls. Creating radically welcoming space is ultimately about clarifying who we are as Christians, who we are as the cathedral, who we are as the body of Christ. I've heard it said, and I am sure you have as well, that Sundays are the most segregated day of the week. And I want to reflect on that for a minute. I want to reflect on that because segregation was actually a law. It was a law that was forced upon all of us. It was not a choice. True segregation was simply the law of the land. But where we worship is a choice. It's about going where we feel welcomed and where we feel understood. Choosing where we worship is about choosing the food that nourishes our souls so that we can go out into the world and serve our brothers and sisters. So if we want to be radically welcoming, if we want to move beyond recruitment, then we must move toward genuine relationship. It seems to me if we want to become radically welcoming and to be inclusive, we will learn more about ourselves if we stop asking why there are not more people of color coming to our church, but instead start asking ourselves why are there not more people of color in our lives. Most of us are here in this church because someone we love or simply someone we have a relationship with invited us to come. The invitation to this particular meal happened because someone invited us who knew us well enough to think we would be truly fed by the food found within. The radical welcome of church begins outside these doors, in our living rooms, at our grocery stores, in our places of work and play. The radical welcome of church begins with relationship based on mutual need and respect. And the relationships we make outside of this church will change who we are, what we do, how we do it, and frankly, why we do what we do inside the church. So if we are to be truly radically welcoming, I think we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to change are we willing to let the relationships we make outside of these walls change what we do inside? Being radically welcoming will come with consequences and it will transform us. And that is ultimately the goal. Not to diversify our church, but for our church, for us to be transformed. And these are the questions of every relationship, really. Every relationship we have requires sacrifice and change, and change is difficult. For the church, change has been the cause of revolutions and rebellions, and if we rush to diversify our pews, I'm afraid we may miss the deeper work of how radical welcome will transform us, and then what that transformation will require of us. When Jesus asks the disciples to consider the work of welcoming all, he does so to encourage the transformation of his disciples. 
Our work here at All Souls to engage racial equity, to be radically welcoming, is not about becoming more diverse here. It's about our transformation as disciples of Christ. Our work is about our own change. It's about becoming deeply and radically welcoming wherever we go and wherever we are. It's about building relationships with the children of God, and then it's about bringing the fruit of those relationships into our worship together, into our meal at this table, and allowing our life together to be changed. And as we grow as disciples, as relationships are developed based on radical welcome, and as our liturgy reflects those relationships, the people in our pews will change too as a result. That is guaranteed, but it is not the goal. The goal, my friends, is to welcome the one who sent us all. Our goal is to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to build the kingdom of God here and now. Our goal is not to be the best disciple or even the best church, as the disciples themselves argued over. But Jesus reminds us that the goal is to be servants of all, to welcome all, to be transformed. So how do we build those relationships outside that will lead to our transformation inside? Perhaps a year ago in Adult Forum, we walked through a process together called community mapping. In this exercise, we drew a map of our weekly route. Where do we go every day of the week? Which grocery stores do we shop at? Which gas stations? Which schools do we attend? Where do we play? Where do we eat? Where do we work? What neighborhoods do we drive through? And perhaps which neighborhoods do we avoid? Then together we assessed those choices for opportunities to engage, to engage with people of color, to engage with people living in poverty, to engage with people on the margins, with people we don't often get a chance to know. And what we find is that our Sundays are no more segregated than any other day of our week. Our daily and weekly choices impact our opportunities for engagement. Who we engage with impacts our relationships, and our relationships impact our places of worship. Jesus himself walked on the margins of society. Literally, he walked on the borders, not because it was convenient or even pleasant, but because it was there that he met the people who would transform him. It was there that he met the people who the laws of segregation at that time isolated him from. It's where he met the people he would be in relationship with that would become disciples. Likewise, we too can choose to live less isolated lives from those that our culture and our laws will try and segregate us from. We too can choose to walk, to drive, to play, to eat on the margins. We can choose to live radically welcoming and integrated lives outside of church and then bring the fruit of those welcoming lives inside the church and then allow those relationships to transform us. And when we do this every day, 
outside of these walls, we create the opportunity to radically welcome the one who sent us all. Amen.